Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I want to welcome you to our special series of Money Sense, specifically dedicated to providing valuable information regarding the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. For nearly 30 years, I have been helping listeners learn how to relate many of life's situations to their finances. This pandemic has caused wide-scale disruption in nearly every sector of our lives. No matter your personal situation, we strive to meet you where you are at, both financially and emotionally. Our guests during this series include a futurist, economist, physician, psychologist, as well as local Milwaukee business professionals to get their perspective on how you can apply their insight and expertise to your financial future. This important series will be aired on WISN AM 1130 during our regular Money Sense times, which are Saturdays at 2 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at noon. They will also be available on demand at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We hope you will find these informative and be sure to share them with your family and your friends. My guest today is Nick Jarmus, and he is the Director of Public Affairs for the Midwest Region of AAA, the Auto Club Group. And I'm so excited to have Nick on today because one of the things that I have so enjoyed in my life is travel. Not only just traveling outside of the United States, but also traveling within the United States. And just recently, somebody had mentioned, well, what does travel look like for you, Karen, going forward? And I said, Jeepers, I don't know. Um, I just don't really know what that looks like. And so, Nick, can you tell us just generally where are things and what does travel look like? And can we get that back on our bucket list at some point? Well, absolutely. And, and we've been encouraging people to, to keep thinking about where they want to travel, um, you know, keep, keep building that as that bucket list, um, you know, list of dream vacations they want to take. Because travel is going to come back. You know, we are going to get beyond this. And, and in some parts of the country, we're already getting beyond this um, and, and beginning to open things up. Right now, things are still, um, you know, well behind where they typically are at this time. You know, we're, we should be well into the summer travel season. Memorial Day weekend is traditionally the big kickoff for road trips and summer vacations. And we really missed that this year. Um, in fact, we, for the first time in 20 years, did not even put out a forecast of how many people we expected to be traveling for Memorial Day. Because, you know, we knew, one, that the numbers were going to be so low because so many things were still shut down. So many states were still under stay-at-home orders. Um, but the, the economic data that we usually utilize to um, to predict how many people will be traveling has been so volatile and, and shifting so rapidly that it really would have been impossible for us to, to give an accurate um, picture in any sense of how many people would be moving around. Well, you know, Nick, I came from Florida um, on Memorial Day weekend, and that's Sunday, and I flew out of um, Punta Gorda area, and there was nobody on the airplane and nobody in the airport. It was eerie. It almost made me feel like I was in a science fiction movie. It is. It's, it's been very surreal. You know, a lot of our um, travel agents that, that have been with the company for a long time have, have compared it to, you know, the, the immediate months post 9-11 of, you know, when air travel really ground to a halt. 
Um, people were hesitant to get back in the air. Um, and it's probably going to be, in some ways, very similar to the recovery we saw after that in terms of the pacing. But also, you know, obviously, this is a very unique scenario. This isn't a single incident that people are reacting to. It's a worldwide phenomenon that, that in, in many ways, is not over yet. Um, and most health experts will tell you, um, you know, this is not behind us. But we're just moving into a different phase of it. Um, and so it, it's still a fluid situation that uh, people are trying to process, uh, but we will recover from it. And people are all, you know, certainly um, interested in traveling again. And we did a survey uh, of, of the public to ask them, you know, what are some of the, the things that you would need to see happen um, in order to, to feel comfortable traveling again? And, and how quickly after um, things are reopened, would you feel comfortable going back to them? Uh, and, and generally speaking, you know, people are, are eager and interested in, in going back um, in a relatively short time frame. I'd you know, say in a matter of months, um, they'd feel comfortable going back. Um, this isn't going to be drawn out for years, um, at least um, for most people, that there probably will still be lingering effects for, for some time, and, and some people may never feel comfortable going back again. But I think for most people, um, there certainly is, is a pent-up desire to get out and travel um, and, and under, understanding that it may be, look a little different in terms of the processes and precautions that they'll need to take. Um, but, but folks will get out and travel again, um, I'd say within a matter of months. You know, Nick, when we were kids traveling, one of the games that we always played was if we could find a license plate with every state, you know, and, and who could find the license plates. And now there's barely anybody on the roads at all. <laughs> and so some of the games that parents used to play with kids are even changing because there just doesn't seem to be the traffic. But I did read that um, some of the different things are different, like RVs, um, they have shot through the roof. The people thinking that they can, you know, be safer being in an RV because they can control their food, they can control where they are, where they're staying. But yet there's bathrooms and gas stations and parks and, you know, all the other things that, that still seem to make things a little bit difficult. Can you talk a little bit about some of the different ways so there's air? bus, cars, RV, and of course, something that's been really hit hard are all of the cruise ships. That's true. And, you know, I'd say generally a good rule of thumb when you're thinking about it is the more controlled um, and more private a mode of travel you're talking about, uh, the more comfortable people are with it, especially in the short term. So cars, um, RVs, um, anything that, you know, you really kind of have – uh, control over where it's going, when it's going, um, you know, who is getting in it with you. Um, that certainly is something that's top of mind for people. People are a little more reluctant to get into, um, I don't want to say public transportation because that, that, that connotates a, a different, something different, but I mean, um, kind of communal transportation, um, if you will, you know, planes, trains, and things um, where you're in a vehicle, in a larger vehicle with, with other people that you know you don't know and that you don't have control over um you know the the sort of behaviors that they're engaging in um people are a little more hesitant about that so you know you mentioned the license plate game and 
Um, I certainly grew up playing that um, on the interstates. I grew up not far from Interstate 80, so we always filled up our bingo card pretty quickly because you have a lot of internet or a lot of travelers from across the country coming on that corridor. But you know, we also broke down our survey between distance when it comes to auto travel, and certainly when you're talking about more regional road trips, you know, within 300 miles of of home, people are are pretty comfortable getting back to those within the next couple of months. When you're looking at more cross-country road trips of more than 300 miles, uh, people are probably gonna give that another few months, you know, maybe within the next six months, they may feel more comfortable doing that. Uh, but then when you talk about those sort of communal travel modes, um, you're talking probably at least about six months before um, the bulk of people will really feel comfortable getting on those again. And, and that's based on where things stand now. I mean, these, these are all fluid numbers in the, in the sense of they're based on the developments um, that have happened up until now, and they're based on uh, people's perceptions um, and, and attitudes right now. And those can change if there are new developments in, in one way or another um, that could you know, it, you know, further influence people's opinions about whether um, it's safer, you know, going to be safer sooner or whether it's going to take longer to get back to that comfort level. When you talk about travel and you talk about individuals, you know, so many people right now are afraid, even, you know, in the grocery stores. And, and I think about people who used to park our cars and they're getting in, in and out of cars all the time as they park our cars. I think the future is going to look different. And, and when we come back, let's, let's look at some of the things that we've done in the past that maybe may not still return. And I think of the study that I, I saw on TV about going to a buffet. I don't know if I'll ever eat in a buffet again, just because it's exactly what you were talking about, lack of control by everybody touching the same utensils and things like that. So Nick, if you can give us some insight and some direction on that when we get back, it would be great. My guest today is Nick Jarmus, and he is the Director of Public Affairs for AAA and the Auto Club Group. And with that, we'll be back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker. I'm the founder and the Senior Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Nick Jarmus, and he is the Director of Public Affairs for the Midwest Region of AAA, the Auto Club Group. And Nick, before we took the break, we were talking about, I had seen that little clip that they did in China, I believe it was, on going through buffets, and within about two hours, everybody within the little restaurant that they did this in had some markings from the people that they put little powder or something on, on their faces and everywhere. And I went and I looked at it and I went, oh my God, I don't know if I'll ever eat in a buffet again. There's so many things like that that I think we've learned that are going to be different. And how do people approach that? And what are some of the things that you're seeing? Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting, especially as an organization with so much history around the automobile is the extent to which, um, you know, the automobile has been has been turned into almost a, a larger personal protective device for, for people. <laughs> and it's uh, been used in ways to help them stay connected and stay, um, you know, social uh, while still maintaining that distance. Um, and, and, you know, some specific examples would be, you know, the return of the drive-in movie. You know, we're seeing here in Wisconsin, Marcus, you know, uh, 
rolling out um, a drive-in option at, at several of their larger movie theaters. We're seeing um, at, at sports stadiums. I know here in Madison, where I live, um, our local baseball team um, has turned their stadium into a, a drive-in movie theater for right now. Um, park districts, you know, having movie night in the park and, and um, even church services and, and graduations done um, in parking lots where people can stay in their cars and still, you know, wave to each other, say hi to each other, but, you know, maintain that social distance. Uh, and, and so it's been interesting to see the resurgence of that. You know, there's curbside, everything available, pickup for retail, for restaurants, for dining, for everything. Um, and just knowing that, that people, you know, still want to get creative. And, and that's been uh, one of the, the interesting things to see as this situation has unfolded is the way in which businesses and schools and individuals and, and other institutions have gotten creative in ways to, to keep people connected, to keep their um, business going um, in light of these challenges and, and you know, accommodate people's concerns and and I think we're going to continue seeing that you know the, these creative adaptations um, that businesses will, will roll out and and you know get um, re really uh, cr creative with and and accommodate people. How is COVID-19 changing AAA? We've instituted um, you know in every one of our business lines different um, procedures. Um, you know, we've been able to conduct still a lot of our business online, like, like so many other businesses have been able to do. Um, you know, people can still get their insurance quotes, you know, online. They can um, book uh, travel online. They can do uh, a lot of their, their normal business with us online. Um, it, in our roadside assistance program, we've still been able to offer that. We, we've modified some of the procedures with that, where in, instead of having members get in, you know, be able to give them a ride in the truck with our technicians to the, the garage or, or car care center where they're towing it to, uh, we've been able to arrange alternate transportation. Um, so that way we're able to maintain that distance and um, make sure that that's, you know, our drivers can just focus on getting your car to where it needs to, uh, where someone who, who is more specialized in passenger transportation um, and maintaining that in a, in a hygienic and safe way can, can help transport the member um, when they're at the roadside. And we've been, we've been adapting our um, business models just like any other organization in order to accommodate, um, you know, the, these new concerns that, that folks have and, and these new realities while still providing the, the sort of service and, and products that, uh, our members have come to rely on it and make sure that we're still meeting their expectations and um, making sure that they're getting what uh, they're paying for when they enroll with AAA for their membership. Nick, I was talking to someone the other day and I mentioned that I was looking forward to this interview because, you know, as financial advisors, one of the things that our clients are always asking about, and of course, is on their bucket list is the travel. I mean, a variety of different type of travel. And I know she had said to me, well, AAA is really good. They, they, they do roadside pickup, right? And I said, well, they do so much more than that. <laughs> you know? Well, I know that they do trips. But maybe for our listeners who aren't as familiar with AAA, because it's grown over time and it's added new and different types of services as the population is aged. We've got teenagers, young drivers. You're really interested in that whole 
area, that whole, I say industry of people who drive. Could you give my listeners a little bit of an insight onto that? Sure. Well, you know, that, that certainly is our history. We began as an automobile association, uh, you know, for um, folks who had cars, you know, back when that, that was more of a hobby. Owning a car was, was the exception rather than the norm when we were first founded. Um, but a, as we've grown, as the vehicle or as the, the personal automobile has become, you know, ubiquitous, we, we've, um, you know, expanded sort of our, our understanding of our own mission. And it's not even specifically tied to the automobile itself. You know, we really um, view our mission as helping our members get through life's journey and providing peace of mind. So whether that is the traditional roadside assistance offering um, and making sure if they have a trouble uh, with their car and they break down, get a flat tire, we're, we're there to help them get going again or, or, or assist with that. If they're traveling, um, we're there to help provide um, expert advice on, you know, where to stay, what to do, how to get there, restaurants. You know, we, we have our diamond um, designation program where we have a, a, a diamond rating for hotels and, and lodging and then restaurants as well. We offer discounts on travel um, um, destinations as well as even just retail. Um, so, you know, close to home, if you're just heading to your local mall, we have discount programs um, using your AAA card. Uh, we also have full spectrum insurance, you know, which is another big part of peace of mind for automo automobile insurance, home insurance, life insurance, um, and then travel insurance if you're traveling as well. Um, we also provide a variety of financial services. We have our own bank um, where we're able to issue uh, credit cards um, that can earn points that people then can use uh, for travel or for, you know, even just paying their insurance premium using the, the points they build with their AAA credit card. Um, and, and then, you know, we also have built in a lot of benefits to our membership um, around those other aspects of life. So, you know, our AAA members all have uh, free access to um, identity theft protection um, as part of their, their standard member benefits. And then even going beyond um, the automobile when it comes to roadside, we also offer full, uh, roadside assistance for bicycles. So if you're out on your bike um, and you experience um, some trouble, uh, our trucks will come and pick you up and give you a ride somewhere safe where you can have your bike repaired um, and you're not going to be stranded out there. So it's just all about giving people peace of mind um, as they go through their both their day-to-day -day life as, as well as their uh, leisure travel and, and those bucket list items. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other programs. So I was watching um, America's Got Talent and there was an, a man in his 80s and he was doing a a little skit and he took off his hat and turned backwards. He says, this looked familiar. And of course it was um, talking about older people driving cars <laughs> and seeing the back of the bald head, you know, and then again, we got teenagers and I know that triple A triple A does um, provide education to help parents and to help people to be better drivers. That's true. You know, when it comes to our, our advocacy and, and public education programs, they're really focused on the most vulnerable road users. Um, and so that, that is teen drivers uh, and senior drivers. And, you know, we're always cautious when we, when we talk about them together because it's very different uh, concerns and very different challenges. You know, when it comes to 
teen drivers, it, it's the inexperience and it's just getting them um, to understand what are the laws, to get them to understand what are safe and unsafe behaviors um, to engage in behind the wheel. Um, but when it comes to senior drivers, they, they have all of that experience, they have all that knowledge. And the issue isn't with necessarily helping them prevent crashes um, that would be their fault. It's helping them avoid crashes that may be someone else's fault by being a good defensive driver, but also just avoiding crashes and being as safe as possible um, because seniors are more likely to be injured uh, in a crash. Um, and you know the, the, their physical resilience in terms of the impact of a crash having a bigger impact on their health and having a more long-term impact on their health. Um, and so we've done a lot of research that kind of looks at how um, aging impacts people's ability to um, physically engage in the task of driving and, and also um, how it impacts their, their ability to survive a crash um, um, and, and, you know, bounce back from a crash in terms of the types of injuries that they may sustain if they were to get into a crash. My guest today is Nick Jarmus, and he is the Director of Public Affairs for the Midwest Region of AAA, which is the Auto Club Group. And Nick, I'm, I'm just curious if you have any statistics that we can talk about is why there are these car crashes. And one of the things that always makes me very nervous is watching people on their cell phones, of course. That's not something that we had to deal with as we were growing up. And um, and any of the other tips that you can give us in, re in regards to being a cautious driver and being a safe driver. But I always wonder if there's a way if I want to beat the horn at somebody when I see them on their cell phone. And uh, yet there's no way to really communicate it. But so many people just really don't pay attention. And that's when accidents can happen. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And I decided several months ago to start doing these radio shows on COVID-19 because I felt that what the news that we were getting was so difficult often to interpret as it, how it might apply to us. Sometimes it was too much and sometimes it was too little. And so I made the decision to try and interview people who had information and insight on many of the issues that you hear in, as topics in the news. And so today, my guest is Nick Jarmus, and he is the Director of Public Affairs for the Midwest region of AAA, the Auto Club Group. And just before we took the break, I was just thinking about some of the new signs that are up on the, on the highways and on the interstates, you know, telling us to be careful and not to look at your cell phone. And, the, the automobile industry, of course, has put in different ways that you can do hands-free and you can do all that. But I've just noticed recently um, some information that those are very dangerous as well because you're still not keeping your eyes on the road. And as you mentioned, we have so many bikers and we have so many other vehicles um, different and traffic is so different that I also read that it's become Road America <laughs> because so few cars. That, that's true. There's been a, a huge increase in, in speeding on the highways. And, and, you know, we've seen both anecdotally as well as, you know, some actual numbers from uh, states around the country that even as 
you know, crashes decreased as traffic volumes decreased. Um, crashes, the crash rates did not go down um, as far as the traffic rates themselves did. So um, basically, even though there were more people on the road, um, the number of crashes logged per mile driven um, on the roads was actually higher. Um, and that, that's because people were, uh, in a lot of cases, speeding, taking advantage of those open roads to um, you know, really have a lead foot. Um, people were, were also distracted. And a lot of these, um, these issues kind of combine with each other often. And we talk about, well, what causes crashes? Oftentimes a crash is caused by a variety of factors. Um, but the most common factors that we see our speed, um, you know, contributing to crashes and also making crashes worse when they do occur because, you know, the, the impact of a crash is going to be increased by the velocity of the vehicles involved in the crash. That's just simple physics. Um, but also distraction. So if, if you're um, distracted by your phone or onboard uh, vehicle systems, you know, we talk about the importance of keeping your hands on the wheel your eyes on the road, but the most important thing uh, as well is keeping your mind focused on what's happening. Um, you know, there's a, there's a concept called inattention blindness, where even if you have your hands on the wheel and you're looking straight ahead, if you're, um, you know, listening to a conversation, um, even, you know, a hands-free conversation, and your mind is more wrapped up in that than it is in processing what your eyes are seeing, um, you might as well just have your eyes closed, you know, because you're just not, your brain's not connected to your eyes because it's focusing on something else. Um, so we really encourage people that when it comes to um, cell phone use to not think of it as, you know, just a matter of putting the cell phone down, uh, but really turning the cell phone off um, or, or, you know, just not utilizing it even in a hands-free way because the mental uh, and cognitive distraction of, you know, voice to text or hands-free, you know, Siri or, or uh, you know, the um, Android version, you know, of, of CarPlay and things like that um, can also be dangerously distracting behind the wheel. And then when you compound that with speeding, you know, if you're not looking where you're going, you're not thinking about what you're doing and you're going very fast, that's going to cut down your reaction time even more uh, and make those crashes even worse when they do occur. Uh, one that really, uh, I think, is timely right now and doesn't get as much attention uh, is the issue of drowsy driving. Um, I think there, there's been a lot of research and a lot of talk lately in the last few months about the impact of that quarantine and, and lockdowns have had on people's sleep habits. Um, and that's you know, certainly a concern for us as people begin hitting the road again, even if it's just for their daily commute to the office, is making sure they're getting proper rest because not getting adequate rest can actually impair you just as much as uh, alcohol can or, or a drug can. And it slows your cognitive process down, um, slows your reaction time down and can be very dangerous on the road, but it's very difficult to, to quantify or to enforce. You know, you can pull someone over who's drunk and you can detect how much alcohol is there's in their system. There's no, test to determine how tired or how drowsy someone is, but it can be just as dangerous if they, if they are not getting adequate rest. And that's really something that's up to, you know, individual drivers to, to really enforce for themselves to make sure they're not getting behind the wheel if they're not well rested enough. And so many people are having such stress right now with jobs and 
um, not going to work or working, money issues. It really, it does really impact people. And you're right, people's sleeping habits have, have really been altered. You were talking about the phone a little bit ago. And I remember um, with my daughter-in-law, I've called her several times and there's a little message that comes on the phone that says, I am driving right now. Please leave a message. I'll get back to you when I'm done. Those are great. And most phone companies have that. Either the service provider has an app like that or, or the phone itself, the device itself will have some sort of way to screen based on if it can tell that you're driving um, you know, from the GPS on the phone, then it will block or redirect messages and just let people know um, that I'm driving. And that, that's especially important um, because there, there is a, a social psychological aspect to hearing the phone ring and feeling like you need to get it or hearing that text message bing or, or buzz and feeling like you need to read it or you need to respond to it because you don't want the other person to feel like you're ignoring them or that maybe you're mad at them. Um, and, and that's really a, a helpful tool to be able to let people know, hey, it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's just I'm trying to be safe. I'm trying to drive. Um, and I'll get back to you when I can. My guest today is Nick Jarmus, and he is the Director of Public Affairs for the Midwest Region of AAA. And as we all know, traveling has really come to a halt. But everybody with the beautiful weather and the, the sunshine and wanting to take our vacations and wanting to do things or just to get out of the house, one of the ways that we can do it, of course, is with our car. And I've asked Nick to come to do the radio show to give us some really great tips. And when we come back, we want to continue our conversation. You know, we've got all those bicyclists and motorcycles out during this time, too, and so many more people walking. And so let's see what the impact there is. And I also, we have to talk about gas prices, of course. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Nick Jarmus. And as I said earlier, he's the Director of Public Affairs for the Midwest Region of AAA, the Auto Club Group. And we're all familiar with the AAA sound, sign. And I think many of us have probably used it in one form or another. But one of the other things that they do is they keep really good records of, of what's actually going on and where accidents are coming from and where they can insert information to help people to understand things better. And I know in the past years, we've always had some big event with Harley Davidson and we've seen all those motorcycles on the roads. Now people are riding bikes and getting out and doing things to be more active. And again, that's something that impacts our driving and something that we really do need to be aware of. That's true. You know, we've seen a lot of stories um, the last few months about, um, huge increases in bike sales um, for a number of reasons. One, you know, people want to get the physical activity and, and gyms were closed down for a long time. Health clubs have been closed for a long time. People looked to biking as a way to be able to get out, get some exercise um, as a healthy transportation option as well. Um, and even though a lot of the bike trails, when they did remain open, in order to, you know, we had so many more people that wanted to utilize them, but needing to maintain social distance, that there was a lot of pressure to expand the, the network of safing, safe ride options um, and trails and designating routes um, along city streets where people could safely ride. Uh, and so it's really important for motorists to watch out for 
bicyclists share the road with them, respect the fact that they have a right to be on the road as well as a vehicle um, and, and make sure that we're all watching out for each other and being safe with each other, as well as folks who uh, may be walking and, and that may be people who are walking recreationally and maybe kids, especially in, in residential areas where parks may still be closed down. Um, they need to get outside, they need to burn off energy and they don't always um, think as much as they should about you know the dangers of running out into the street and just being cautious and speed plays a huge factor in that you know but the difference between going 25 versus 30 miles an hour in a residential neighborhood may not seem like a lot to the driver but um, to a child who may be running out in the street and, and potentially getting struck by a car that five mile an hour difference has a huge impact on the, the level of injuries that the that child may sustain, um, as well as just the reaction time of the driver. So being, being cautious with everyone. And I would also encourage folks who are driving and biking to remember you want to ride your bike with the flow of traffic, staying to the right side of the road, and you want to walk on the left side of the road where you're actually walking at traffic so that you and drivers can see each other um, and, and make room for each other um, so just remember that biking to the right, walking to the left when you're on. And the use your use your arm signals for right and left. Absolutely, using your turn <laughs> signals. Drivers need to use their turn signals. Cyclists should you know be signaling their turns as well. Cyclists should also be um, obeying stop signs, um, traffic lights. Um, when you're a cyclist, you will you follow the same traffic lights as the drivers. You don't follow the pedestrian signals, the the, the hand or the walking signal. You follow the, the traffic light just like vehicles. Do you know, Nick, we're going to talk about gas, but one of the things that I was, you know, I think we all agree we're not going to run out of gas, but what about running out of food? And I only mention that because I was listening to um, a talk the other day, and they said that they anticipate almost 50% of restaurants to go out of business um, in San Francisco and some of the major cities. And of course, one of the things that AAA does is they help us find great places to stop and eat while we're traveling on the road, safe, um, star rated. And is that going to be a real difficulty for AAA to be able to determine who's there and who's not there anymore? And of course, we count on those many times small little restaurants or small little hotels or or boutique places but it seems like that might be a thing of the past you know and that that is a challenge you know even within um whether it's state or or county or, or municipal orders that allow restaurants to reopen um, you're going to have some restaurants that may voluntarily stay closed or or not open their dining rooms for uh, right away. You also may have some restaurants that may not reopen at all um, just because they, they weren't able to survive, um, you know, several months of, of, of maintaining the same revenue stream. So it, it's been difficult to try and try and track and, and, you know, on our diamond rating systems, we've been trying to track those restaurants and make sure that, that we're providing updated information about who's still open, who's not. Um, but the best thing to do is, you know, if you're interested in, in heading out to a restaurant is to call ahead or check out their website or their social media pages to find out what, uh, what's the status of their, their serving policies. Are they still just doing curbside? Have they opened their dining space? Um, and not just assume that, well, because the, the county or the city has 
allowed restaurants to reopen, that they are all going to be reopened um, at least uh, right away. Mm -hmm. Well, we have to talk about gas prices. Is gas going to be a hindrance for people to travel? It, it's not. Um, you know, gas prices, um, it, it's been kind of a wild year for them. Uh, we, we've seen prices, uh, l low prices that we haven't seen uh, in 20 years, um, under a dollar a gallon. Uh, Wisconsin for a while actually had the lowest gas prices in the country for about a two-week period there. Um, and now we, we've built back up. We're, we're a little over $2 a gallon right now, still below the national average, um, but still well below prices, the prices that we've seen um, at this point in the year for the last five years. Um, and we anticipate that it's going to continue to slowly rebuild. We'll see prices continue to push higher as more people get on the road um, and that demand side of the equation uh, really begins pushing prices higher. But, but even if they were to shoot up, um, you know, right as people were beginning to feel comfortable taking road trips again, it's not going to be a deciding factor for them to take the trip or not. Um, our experience in the past has been that even looking at the, the recovery of the travel industry after the Great Recession, um, some of the biggest year-over-year -year gains that we had in terms of increases in the number of people traveling happened during summers when gas prices were at their highest ever, you know, nearing $4 a gallon. So those, even those record high prices did not discourage people from traveling. They just found other ways within their travel budget to make room and accommodate for those higher prices by stopping at fast food restaurants instead of sit-down restaurants or a, a three-diamond hotel instead of a four-diamond hotel or, or maybe just cutting a day off of their trip, you know, maybe making the trip one less day just to save that night of, of hotel um, fees that they could then put towards the gas that they would need to get there. Nick, what is the impact or what has the impact been on travel companies? You're working directly with them to set up trips and things like that. I'm guessing some of those won't make it either. And it has to have been very hard because that's how they made their living. And now we're in the the biggest part of the season and people haven't begun to travel yet. So what, what will that look like and what's happened? You know, it, it's been difficult to say um, generally, you know, with, with certain companies. I mean, certainly certain um, segments of the industry ha have been affected more than others. Uh, but even within, you know, things like the cruise industry, which, which certainly has been impacted, we have members uh, that, you know, had, cruises planned and uh, they had to cancel them because, you know, the, the cruise ships decided, you know, or, or we're not going to leave port because of the quarantines. Um, and instead of taking, you know, even if they were eligible for a refund or, or had the travel insurance, they've simply taken it as a credit and they've applied it and said, we're going to rebook a trip later on when, when you know, the ships are, are sailing again. So it, it's been really all over the place in terms of what consumer, um, plans are, as well as how those different segments of the industry have, have adapted and been impacted by this. What are some of the tips that you can give our listeners today, um, not even just for traveling distance-wise, but tips for, you know, daily travel, going, going to work, going to the grocery store, taking your kids places, and everything is just so different. We used to I mean, I used to spend a lot of time going to visit my grandchildren's while they were playing baseball and doing the different things that they enjoy doing. What, 
what can people do now to be careful? I'd say, you know, the, the most important tip to, to keep in mind, whether it's daily, you know, driving around town as things begin to reopen um, or going on a, a longer road trip is to, you know, not make any assumptions about what is and isn't going to be open, not make any assumptions about um, what the processes or policies are going to be, you know, where you're going, get the information in advance, know what to expect, um, and, you know, expect the unexpected, you know, have backup plans in case, you know, you're planning on going to a uh, attraction or, or um, uh, you know, a destination and you get there and not as many things are open, or maybe they had to shut down again for one reason or another, have some backup plans um, in place so that way, um, you're not kind of left flat-footed or, or, you know, feeling like you made a wasted trip or anything like that. Um, travel insurance is a big part of that, you know, in terms of being able to recoup any lost expenses if you um, put down deposits or, or um, you head out on a trip and then you have some sort of difficulty, some sort of emergency comes up, um, unexpected situation. Uh, to be able to recoup costs uh, and not, you know, feel like um, you've ended up wasting money or, or lost money on a trip that, that didn't go as planned um, because of circumstances that were outside of your control. I think a lot of things are pretty common sense. Also, if you're going into hotels, if you're getting gas, you know, just use a, a wipe on on there when you do it. Wash your hands. Um, watch your kids, what they're doing. And I think... It, most of it is common sense and don't be afraid to wear a mask or ask somebody else. And because we do have the ability to do that and to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. My, my guest today is Nick Jarmus. He is the director of public affairs for the Midwest region of AAA, the auto club group. Thank you so much. And if you would like more information, you can go to AAA.com and they have everything that you need to know. And Nick, again, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to our COVID-19 edition of Money Sense. Our goal is to provide valuable information so that you can feel more confident in your financial decisions. You can listen to this show and any that you may have missed at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. To discuss these topics and more with one of our wealth advisors, call us at 262 691 3200 or visit ellenbecker.com for a complimentary consultation.